I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Uh, how are you doing today, John? Uh, well enough to podcast. Fair uh, enough. That's all we ask, really. Um, I'm looking forward to today's podcast. We have a bunch of things coming up, so let's jump into Department of Media. And I think we mentioned this last time, but uh, John, you recently rewatched Inception. That's right. This would be the first time I've seen this movie since seeing it in the theater. And didn't you say, Ted, it was like 10-year anniversary of this movie or something? It was 10-year anniversary. It's actually back in theaters. I I heard from a friend of mine that he went and saw it in a theater with four people in it, you know, all wearing masks uh, in Chicago. So, um, yeah, I... What did we see this film together? I can't remember back that far. Uh, I yeah, I don't know if have. we were literally at this in the same theater or not. We definitely mm-hmm. talked about it a lot of the time. I think we but might yeah, have it's been seen a whole it. Decade. I, yeah, and that was the last time I saw it too, or the whole thing anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very curious to hear what you uh, took away from it this time. So in some ways, I feel the same. In some ways, different. Right. Um, so first of all, I think the experience of watching the movie. Yeah. Uh, has not changed for me and for me it's a problem that's obviously not a problem for the many many fans this movie has so you know that's fine if you like it there's a lot to like in this movie i mean i love the core concept of a dream heist i love the visuals you know there's just a lot of fun stuff going on in this this movie yeah and part of the reason i'm gonna be hard on it is because it's close to being a movie that i would really love Right. Uh, that but, was my feeling when I first saw it many years ago, too, is this is so close to something I would love, but then it's not the thing. I right. Love. And that's kind of the experience of watching it is one where it get, it's per, in terms of rules, which is how I'm going to frame this. Right. Because that's sort of like we're we're trying to do this sort of like rules based science fiction thing, you know, and like make sure those rules are really clear and uh, that we follow them and everything. Yeah, so well, like, and sort and, of Inception and, is famous for being both rulesy and unclear, right? <laughs> Even among yeah, people well, who like it, right? <laughs> those are which I think is a bad combination. I mean, that's just my opinion, but yeah. I, I I think that if you, to me, the experience of watching this movie is one of like about a third to halfway in, you're trying to track what's going on. And it gets increasingly difficult. And I challenge anyone to say that in one viewing of this movie, right, without like pausing a lot, that they actually followed what was happening and all the details, right? Right. I know that if you go online afterwards and you rewatch and you theorycraft and you go on Reddit and read the explanations, that you can figure it all out. And I get also that for a lot of people, that's probably part of the fun. So, you know, there's something to be said for a movie that like allows you to sort of dive into the details after it and continue to engage with it in that way. Yeah. But I just don't, I really doubt that almost anybody watched this movie and actually tracked it as it was happening. Um, or maybe they felt like they did, but I think if they were to sort of interrogate <laughs> or be interrogated about like what they thought happened, that they would get things wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's just so overly complex, right? I mean, I think, you know, people are, the concept is that you're sharing a dream but yet there's all these roles, right? There is uh, the person who is the dreamer. Even though everybody's dreaming, there's one person who is the dreamer, right? Uh, there is the architect, right? There is... Uh, uh, the architect's the, sub- the person who, like, designs the the sets? Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> at, at, but they don't even have to be in the dream because somehow they teach those sets to other people. But then they usually are in the dream anyways in every example. So uh, that's, there's also- It's so confusing to me why that's not also the dreamer. Or oh, the dreamer is the person that they're trying to heist or incept. 
Is that the idea? They're no, like that's the, the subject. That's oh. the subject. See, yeah, that and doesn't make sense. It seems like the dreamer would have to either be the subject or the architect. Like, how could there? What what would that other role even be? Uh, what would the dream? Well, okay, so like the the dreamer is the person who is like constructing the dream from the plan of the architect and the subject is the person they're trying to get information from or whatever who then populates it with the people with their subconscious mind and then there's all the other people that are also in it uh and it's unclear what their influence is although Mm. maybe their subconscious affects it too Mm. sometimes Mm. unclear but like there you know already that's just so much more complicated than right like we all share a dream together all of our minds are collectively trying to shape this reality and it's sort of like a sort of a a a democratic war right where like i think something you think something and it sort of like averages those out or something you could have some fuzzier rules here but that would actually be a lot easier to grasp right 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 like everybody is adding to it and maybe everybody is perceiving it in their own way too because everybody's you know or something like that you could yeah, you could do something simpler where there's not such defined rules, uh, roles, rather. Yeah, so, yeah, but yeah, I think, yeah. you know, and, and just caveat, I mean, I think that's in there because almost all of these uh, roles, like, sort of map very uh, directly to roles on a film set, right? Like, the architect is the production designer. Right. Uh, you know, there's someone who's, and it, it maps to all the characters in, in the heist, right? Like, they're like, one of them is clearly the producer, one of them is the money person who puts up the money, and then, you know, but like, so... I think that's why all these roles are in there and are so complicated is because the movie wants to sort of be an analogy for filmmaking. Uh, so, and, and also just, you know, like a heist movie, you want to have a lot of different uh, characters with different specialties, but that you could have done other ways, right? Like, uh, so... Yeah, the specialties could be more uh, uh, about what happens inside the dream, you know? Like, right, you more, could still more have... analogous to actual heist stuff, like safe cracking or disguises or you know that sort of thing right because like if we're all in a shared dream and our psychology is is affecting each other then maybe someone is like like an fbi ex-fbi profiler whose like specialty is in like profiling the subject and like right or even a psychiatrist or something yeah yeah Yeah. and then you know there's an actor character in inception and you could still preserve that role because that was fairly easy to understand um you know because that didn't like involve these like core rules about how dreams function which were very confusing right that's Um, just like the inside the dream this person's going to be good at acting because they're used to acting so they're going to be able to lie effectively to this person yeah Yeah, right that makes sense but anyways i'm not going to go through all the examples of rules that are complicated but but like like right from the get-go that that is already like a sign like they're just making this more complicated than it needs to be in fact even the idea of inception instead of just making it yeah (laughs) well this is my biggest thing about this movie was i just wish it was reception It's like the concept is a dream heist, yes. right? Like the, you try to steal information from someone while they're sleeping. That makes so much intuitive sense. Yeah. And then this movie does that for 20 minutes and says, but no, the real challenge is to plant an idea. And it's like, okay, you want to raise the stakes in that moment. You want to make this like an especially tough heist. I get that that's the beat you want to hit for a heist movie. Sure. But like you've just taught us a pretty weird concept about doing a dream heist and you're already going to just sort of throw that away and escalate it. It does the movie does a lot of that, right? It does a lot of just like that you know, scene on the train some, where he says like don't think about zebras or whatever. That was where the movie lost me when I when I first saw cuz I love that opening. I mean, it's so exciting and the idea of stealing 
someone's secrets out of their brain while they are dreaming. Uh, and therefore, like the logic for hiding your secrets just is totally different. That's already so rich. And I'm already like, my brain is already fighting so hard to wrap itself around that. And I'm so excited to like... And there's so many possibilities. Yeah, yeah. See all the different ways you might get somebody to let their secrets out in a dream if they know they're in a dream and if they know other people are in their dream. And, you know, that already is so complicated to me. I feel like I could watch a whole television series about just that idea, probably a, definitely a whole movie and be so satisfied. But then when they're like, oh, you're not thinking about zebras and it's easier to put an idea into someone's head, which I'm not even sure I think is true. But even if I just say, okay, fine, whatever it, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's, um, it's just like, why are you, you know, why are you doing this? It's, why not stick with, you had a great idea. Just stick with it. But again, the only reason I can think of to make it about inception instead of stealing ideas is it maps more closely to the filmmaking process where the filmmaker is trying to incept us, the audience with an idea. So it fits the, uh, the metaphor better. Right. But again, but again, but it also I, I gives get... the lie to the to the difficulty of it because yeah, you just tell a story. That's a great way to incept an idea. Yeah, you make a film. That's how you incept people. It's not actually that hard. Right. Uh, <laughs> Use narrative. I mean, it's, like it's I not mean, although that it's complicated. Not... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, that moment didn't on the helicopter or whatever didn't bother me as much this time because I was expecting it. The but the you know the real moment where this happens is is they start the main heist. They get in trouble early on, and right. they have that beat that's classic in heist films. That I makes it makes sense why you want to have this beat where, oh no, our plan is not going to work as intended because this is a lot worse than we thought. Right. Um, but the way Inception handles that is okay. We've just changed a really fundamental rule now. Now death doesn't mean you wake up. Death means you go to limbo. Limbo doesn't quite make sense. Even I've gone online and tried to understand the movie, and most of the things do make sense when you spend all this energy trying to understand them. Sure. After the fact, right? So sure. I, there's I some get explanation. You, they're just not necessarily there, clear. Yeah. There's some explanation for most things. I still think there's aspects of Limbo that are that are fundamentally unclear. So go right? over for me because it's been a long time since I watched the movie, and maybe some people haven't seen it. Like, what? How does it work? How do they break to you that that rule has changed? Um. Well, so it's also weird because one of the characters knows that rule has changed and just didn't tell anybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> this, yeah, like, so I, I vaguely remember this. So take us. So it's that. also like kind of like you know uh, that that character is just awful and like just didn't want anybody else to be prepared. I guess um, is this the know. Ellen Page character? Who is it? Uh, no, this is a Leonardo DiCaprio. Character. Oh, it's the main character. Yeah. Well, he's right. he's yeah. Why didn't he want to tell anyone? Uh, because he thought they wouldn't do it, right? Because basically, okay, here's what's changed, right? The original rules say, when you die in a dream, you wake up. If you experience pain, you don't wake up, you just experience the pain. So the danger is you'll be stuck experiencing pain, but as long as your partner can shoot you in the head, as happens in the early scene, uh, then you can wake up and you'll be fine. Um, right, so, uh, right. And this is related to our ejection rules in a way, because this is like sort of the way that, you know, if a dream is a virtual world, this is like their rules are you can be tortured forever in the dream, but you can't be killed. And, and death is a release. Um, it, it, you go back up a level into the, you know, into the reality that you were dreaming in. Oh yeah. There's so much overlap between what inception could be doing and what we want to do. Like, like it's just, yeah. again, I, I think ultimately it's serving a different purpose, which is this sort of filmmaking metaphor right. that I don't care about. Right. Cause I don't like, especially yeah, it's don't like, like fine, movies but of, it's, yeah. it's, you shouldn't break your sci-fi for it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but um, so that's the original rule, which yeah. again, 
there's these possibilities to explore there that they don't, and then they instead they find out when they go into the 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 main heist, right? Like, like nobody that. ever gets infinitely tortured, for example. There is right. That's not that doesn't. No, it happen. happens for two. Okay, I'll just pause here then, since you keep since you're bringing this up. So, yes, my main critique of the movie is or or the way that I would like to have seen this movie done and the way that I would like us to do our thing differently uh-huh. is that it's not very satisfying I find as an audience member to be taught a rule have that rule happen once have one a sample set of one yeah and then that's it well and and, the, and, 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 and within the, the span of a minute right like like right. literally you like like um like Leonardo DiCaprio is standing there and um, his his wife, who's the antagonist, has like a gun to the head of his partner, right? Right. And they say something like, "Oh, well, you know, if you shoot him, he'll just wake up." And she's like, "Oh, but yeah, but I can just shoot him in the foot, and pain is real." So she does that, right? Right. And then and Leonardo DiCaprio then like dives forward and shoots his partner perfectly in the head, waking him up and saving him from the pain. Right. That's it. That's the end of the thing. You 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 get taught the rule, and then by the time you've heard the rule like spoken as a sentence they're putting it into practice the one time the only time it will ever be used end of story that's done next time we're in a similar situation the rule has changed so that's that's so frustrating because that is actually a really good way to teach the rule right we see both consequences in quick succession so we know right away how the rule works now i totally get it and then yeah, then they never use that. <laughs> then, like, yeah, it's like no, Chekhov's gun. Right? I'm, like, I'm ready that's... for somebody to get tortured now, really horribly, and I know that like oh, if they can just manage to suicide, they're going to be free. But that's going to be hard for them for some reason. You know, they've had their hands cut off or something, and uh, they can't pull the trigger, and they have to figure out a way to you know kill themselves so that they can be free or something. I mean, like, I. It, it it sets up something so satisfying and it's so shocking that the movie doesn't, doesn't use that. And it's so intuitive. It, it's so intuitive. It's such a great, simple rule that creates so much drama, potentially, and then they ignore it, right? <laughs> so then because when, again, that's... When's the next time that that could potentially come up? So, okay. So when they do the main heist, okay, um, one of the characters whose sort of role in this heist is as the money person, right? Uh-huh. The Saito? Uh, again, they, this is Saito? Yeah. That, that's Saito, yeah, uh-huh. the, the uh-huh. businessman. So that yeah. person is kind of like on a film set, the person who like puts up the money for the film, right. but then insists on like having a bit part in the film or being on set, which is, you know, because yeah. like he, Common. He, yep. in, he insists that he gets to come along on the heist since okay. he's like the one like, you know, organizing it. Um, and so he gets shot early on and is like close to dying and... You know, that's when they, that's when Leonardo DiCaprio has to concede, well, yeah, we, we, we don't want him to actually conk out here and die because if he does, he's, because of the, the strength of the sedatives that we're on in this particular dream, right? Uh, cause they're using different sedatives for this mission so they can go more levels deep because of that particular like cocktail of sedatives. Uh, when you die in now, you go to limbo, which is just sort of like undefined thing. I won't get into yet but um and so yeah that's that's how that works that makes no sense wait so i guess i had it in my head from my one time watching this movie that it was that because they were in like some lower level of dream that the rule had changed but it's actually because of sedatives like so they went back up to the same level of dream that they were in previously and then they took a stronger drug and that's what 
Let's... No, 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 no. Before the, the the before this whole Inception heist even begins, uh-huh. they find a, a a guy that makes a special cocktail drug that uh-huh. is like like a different mixture that uh, is strong enough to keep people in sleep long enough so that they can do this like complicated heist thing where they want to go down three levels. I see. So just in order to like start the drilling to three levels, they needed this stronger drug. Okay. And then I see. And so then they wait to tell you until they're several levels deep into that dream. That No, no, no. This happens right away. This is the first level they discover. This is the first level. Okay. I see. Yeah. So this is, this is almost immediately at the beginning of the heist. It's the again, it's the beat in a standard heist movie when you realize, oh my gosh, there's like five times the guards that we thought would be here, right? right. And they have that beat as well. And that beat I'm fine with, right? They also, in that same moment, you right. discover that the person whose dream they're invading has been trained on dream self-defense. And so therefore their subconscious mind is manifesting these like armed people that are fighting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that idea. I mean, that's, that makes sense. That makes that sense. And that would be good in just a regular heist, right? If all they were trying to do is just steal, you know, some industrial secrets from this person, then this dream self-defense still works. Well, and also that does interface with rules we've been taught, right? So at that point, we've been taught that, you know, it's populated by the subconscious of the person whose mind you're invading. Right. We've been taught that dream self-defense is a thing because in the first 20 minutes, that is He's trying the to sell pretense that, right, right. that uh, they're using to try to uh, sell to Sato to like, you know, trick him. So that engages with pre- previous rules right? Uh, and does not complicate things, but does escalate the drama, Right. Right. So you don't need to, I like, I can, the explanation for why they have to change the rules here is because, you know, they want to escalate the drama like a heist movie would, but they don't need, you don't need to change like gravity to escalate drama, right? You can, you can change something like not so fundamental as like what happens when you die, right? Well, yeah, so. especially since you've already set up something interesting, which is that if they get um, chained up or something, they can be tortured. So, uh, you know, why not just play that for its, ma- you know what I mean? Why not just escalate that by having Saito getting captured and he's being tortured and he's giving up information from the torture that they're going to use to go down another level and catch the other people. You know what I mean? Like there's, I feel like there's plenty of plot making it worseness that can be done within this rule. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. Like, so, I'm super so, down with, like, having them, yeah, get there and find out. Oh, the other thing is that they could find out uh, that the rule doesn't suit them anymore because um, something could happen where they can't ex- exit out. Like, not because they go to limbo, but just because uh, exiting out would put them into a world where there is some kind of danger, you know? Um, like, they could have written it such that if they wake up without solving the thing, then the drug will wear off and they can't get back in or something like that, you know, or that like they could come up with some reason in the main world. Why, why them getting kicked out of the dream would be a big disaster. Well, that's the consequences of just failing straight up failing the mission, right? Like they've already set it up so that like, Succeeding at this mission is so important to Leonardo DiCaprio's character that he will not be able to return to the U.S. and ever see his kids again unless he succeeds. So it's kind of like right. that's already there, right? Right. Like, well, so there's he, big stakes it, for it, succeeding, so they can just make it very clear that it's a one-shot thing, and if anybody exits out, it's a you know it's a fail. Yeah, but that's a, that's already pretty. It's already 
kind of clear that like you know if you got shot and you just woke up that um because the way time works right in the in the dream everything is like elongated like right. if you wake up in the regular world like even if you're only awake for like a few minutes while you like scramble to get plugged back in that's like a week you, you, <laughs> you miss know, your in window dream world. right so right, you miss right. your window like right. the, all that the ingredients for that kind of drama already exist they're right? already they don't, there yeah so they, they don't need, need to this. confuse us yeah. and yeah. Yeah. and the, the other problem with all of this this rule changing is that there's so much exposition and uh, almost required to make this movie work. And so much of it is just Ellen Page asking dumb questions, right? Her character is terrible. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I will stand by that. There is nothing good about her character whatsoever. She yeah. is at times just like an empty vessel for exposition, yeah. just asking blank questions. And at other times, she's like weirdly devoted to Leonardo DiCaprio and like mothering of his problems for no reason. She's like uh, just met him, right? Isn't she just like the student of his? Yeah, like, but she's she's like, but she's like, yeah, but she's like the only one who knows about his problems with his ex-wife and is like there to watch out for him. And it's like, doesn't his partner who's been working with him forever already know this, right? Like, and and why is she so committed to to helping this guy that you know his, you know, kind of seems like an arrogant jerk. I I would think from her perspective, but um, right. So I yeah I don't know. Like her her character is just just a total blah. Now. From a character perspective, I do like the main plot line, and this is relevant to what we're doing somewhat. The like main plot line between it doesn't make a ton of sense, really. It, it, but uh, emotionally, I are like you talking the about story. the Leo and his wife thing? Well, yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, okay. I, I like yeah. Uh, emotionally, I like the the plot about Leo and his wife. Yeah, uh, going into limbo, being stuck there for you know decades or whatever, having to build this utopian world together but you're sort of forgetting that they're in a dream and then eventually realizing but the only way they can get out right is like leo has to kind of like incept his wife and you know there's this whole and then well you he know, has to specifically convince her that suicide yeah. is safe right which i mean this i'm goes trying to not like yeah, to the, summarize the whole thing but I, yeah I, the only reason to bring that up though is, is yeah. it just goes back to this rule that was good that they broke right like which is Oh yeah, that rule does apply like in that, limbo. That whole idea of if you die, it's safe. You wake up is exactly what supposedly killed her. Right? Is that she got back to the real world and she had this idea in her head that it wasn't real, and so she jumped off a building or something, and or whatever it was, and uh, and ended up actually really killing herself. So the the version of her that we're seeing in the movie is like the one from his subconscious. Um, all of which I think is good. I mean, I think that all that all works and it shows that they really need this rule of you can't die here, but you can die there. But that whole thing makes less sense in a version of it that has limbo and has, uh, uh, the, the, the rule change, you know? So wait, how did they end up in limbo? What's the story there? I don't remember that part. So they had already uh, done this. They had already done this deep, in the this past, deep dive in the past. I mean, he—he's obviously like his backstory is he's like this dream heist expert. So sure. he was like interested in dreams and like he was like exploring and wanted to go deeper and deeper into the levels. And I guess he was taking his wife with him, and mm. they—it was like an experiment where they got they went too deep and got stuck or something. It's a little bit sure. vague. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the other thing is that like that whole thing is conflated. Like the difference between going many levels deep and going to limbo, right? Because so right the, the way limbo is a is a danger when you're going many levels deep because of the drug is what you're saying 
Uh, I'm, it's not clear, right? Yeah. Okay, so so again, the rule that you're taught, the new rule, is when you die, you go to limbo, right? right. It doesn't matter what level you're on. Right. You go straight to limbo, right? If, if you're on the stronger substance. Uh, yes, that's right. Right. So, but then, you know, they go, so on the first level, Saito gets shot and almost dies, right? Okay. So then later in the movie, um, they want to go... Uh, the the actual person they're trying to heist, right, or incept, right. Uh, gets shot and dies down on the third level. So they go to limbo. Mm-hmm. So then the mission is failed unless they go in after him. Mm-hmm. So how would you go in after someone who'd gone to limbo, do you think? How would you, given I, what I've told you so far? I guess I'd shoot myself in the third level. you shoot yourself in the head, right? That's You know what they do? They, they go for the same like uh, like suitcase full of tubes that they use to like always go down a level right and that's how they go to limbo so apparently limbo is just level four (laughs) right in that moment but you can jump to level four from level one if you get shot no no they're at level three i know it's so hard to even explain when saito gets shot he's on level one right yeah but this is run related to saito the the the, but he also goes to limbo and he's in limbo because he's at the end he's the old right right, but i'm not talking yeah but hold it's complicated i'm just saying all these people went to limbo these different ways well no that makes sense you go to limbo if you die right so saito went because he died in level one the person they're trying to incept went at level three because they died that all makes sense i don't have any problem with that i'm just saying that those two follow the rule that he but then, the, then when they go in after him, they decide to go in using their suitcase. They use the suitcase on level three as if they were just going to level four. Instead of, like, Instead it would be so much more interesting to be like, like, all right, you got to shoot us. Right. Or <laughs> and they all shoot like, each other in, like, a circle or something. Or they all shoot yeah. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, that would just be, that would be more dramatically interesting. Yeah. Why did they do that? Would, yeah. <laughs> would make would make far more sense. Obviously, yeah. you've taught us if you want to go to limbo, you kill yourself. Why don't why do they use the suitcase to do it? And, and I guess limbo is now the or, same or as jump level... off a building or something because it's right. just you die in level three. Right. So, yeah. And as far as I know, there's no answer to that online. Right. Like the conflation between level four and limbo is essentially being the same thing, I guess. Right. Yeah, you you think of limbo as being deeper, but it's like, is it level four? It's like level infinite. So it's just like one, two, three, infinite. <laughs> kind of like the, I mean, it's sort of intuitive cultures. I think that's it. why people gloss over this because yeah. it feels like oh, limbo is a deep thing. Level four would be pretty deep. So okay, yeah, that makes sense that those are the same, but they're not the same, right? It doesn't actually make sense that they're the same. Yeah, I don't think it makes sense. I think at this point the movie has beaten you down with enough exposition that you've started to let it wash over you and you're just like yeah maybe i'll sort this out at the end maybe it's all a dream or something you know <laughs> so anyways we, we've already spent way more time on this than i plan to but uh, uh the, the 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 point i want to make uh-huh. is that you can't track the movie while you're watching it again i challenge anyone to say that they fully grasped all this while they were watching especially all the stuff about the kicks right timing the kicks oh my gosh that makes sense eventually if you read enough about it but it does not make sense when you're watching it i swear that has to do uh, with like how fast time is moving in the different dreams or something. Is that right? Uh, I just don't want to get into All it. Right, I, I can explain the whole thing about why it's inconsistently <laughs> explained and, and then why there's also kind of an explanation you can draft on, do it after the fact that sort of makes sense. But, um, but yeah, so like, I don't think you can follow the movie when you're watching it. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not a pleasant experience of feeling frustrated, trying to follow rules. Um, 
you know, again, we're going to talk about Congress in a minute. Uh, like, I don't really understand what's happening in Congress, but I don't feel like Congress wants me or cares if I fully understand. So it doesn't bother me the same way, right? Uh, like, if a movie is, like, not constantly speaking rules and exposition to me and not signaling that I should try to track what's going on, and it's just, like, a dreamy movie with, like, weird things happening, mm-hmm. um, then that's fine. Then my then I watch it in that framework, and I can, in, I can check out a little bit on the logic stuff and enjoy it. But this movie does the exact opposite. It signals hard, here's the logic, here's the rules, and then totally goes the other direction. And so, again, I find that to be a f- completely frustrating experience. Um, and again, I think that it's not, it's, it's such a good example of how, of like, like what we do not want to do. Right. And that's like, I think the main takeaway, right. Is that we want to have very simple, easy to understand rules. Right. Right. Uh, that you can grasp in like a second when someone says them, says them and, and, you know, maybe we're not succeeding at this. I know we've been doing this podcast and we've gotten into really weedy conversations about our rules, but I think our format, which is a graphic novel will allow us to be actually more complicated than we would be if we were doing a, a film. But, you know, it's it's a constant challenge for us, uh, but we're going to, you know, the goal is to make our rules as simple as possible so that you can grasp them. And, you know, even if they are a bit complicated, if you do get them across, well, now let's use them, right? Let's, let's you've, you've planted this rule in the audience's mind. Let's check off's gun on the mantle. Let's actually fire it. Let's fire it a few times in unexpected ways that still make sense. Right? Well, that's always the trick, right? Is like, how do you figure out a way, you know, you want to fire the gun and you know, everybody knows that you want to fire the gun. So you want to try to figure out a way to convince them you're not going to fire it and then you fire it, you know, but you don't want to, I, I, what we don't want to do is break the logic to get there. Um, and I think, yeah, having it be... But it's not just about breaking the logic, because again, I think for the most part, Inception, what I found on a rewatch and and doing all the research is it does not break most of its logic. It breaks some when you really get well, into it. Well, it introduces new rules late, though. In, right, so but what even I'm trying when to... it follows that second rule, it still feels a bit like a rug pull, doesn't it? Well, that's the no, yeah. The point I'm trying to make is not about breaking logic, right? That's the point I thought I was going to make about Inception: is don't break your own logic. But uh-huh. I think Inception mostly follows its logic when you unpack it in a detailed enough way. Uh-huh. Mostly, cast <laughs> asterisks mostly. Uh-huh. So that is somewhat of a problem too. But like, that's not the point I'm taking away from it on a second rewatch. The point mm-hmm. I'm taking away from it is it's just not, it's just not benefiting from the rules it's using. Um, like again, I mean, when you play, this happens all the time. Like when you, it's not just the Chekhov's gun thing in literature, right? Uh, it's like when you, when you play a video game, right? Like they'll teach you a rule, like in a puzzle game, and then they will, they will use that rule to great effect, right? To generate epiphanies in the player's mind as you like realize, oh, this rule also implies this. It also implies that, right? Right. Um, so like the, they're just not taking advantage of, of that you know, what they could be doing with that. Um, and and I really want to do that. And I think too few uh, movies and books and uh, comic books like actually actually do that, actually get a lot of mileage out of a rule like that. Um, that is like one of these like, that's on this like level of natural science, right? These like really core fundamental rules, like what happens when you die? How does gravity work, right? That's where it's interesting to me, right? Because th- mm-hmm. And that's what makes it different from Chekhov's gun. It's not just a gun, right? That's interesting too. Like, oh, when who's going to fire that gun and it who is an interesting question. 
but it's like we're actually messing with physics it's a clear twist we've made we're explaining it and then there's a dramatically interesting way we're going to build on that like you said not pull the rug out from under you uh before like benefiting or gathering any of the rewards that we have earned by actually teaching the audience and the audience should be rewarded for following along when we teach them Right. right. Well, you want the audience sometimes to be able to predict what will happen and other times to be surprised, but not to feel in retrospect like it didn't make sense. You know, like sometimes they should be like, oh, but they should still be like, oh, I should have seen that rather than like, oh, wait, are, were you just lying to me? <laughs> or like, did I miss something? You know, or like, uh, did you purposely obfuscate something for me that technically you're, you are adhering to, but you didn't tell me? You don't really want those kinds of reactions. You want people to either be like, this was one of several exciting possibilities that I imagined, or I didn't imagine this, but I can completely see how I should have. Right? Those yes, are the kind exactly. of two, two safe sort of ways that people... Yeah, I mean, that's what you want to create in people's minds, I think. All right, well, we can move on from this. I know you've spent more on it than you wanted to, and I do want to talk about Congress a little bit. So, uh, that was good. You took one for the team rewatching Inception. I'm glad I don't have to do it. Hey, I... Look, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. It's a beautiful Um, movie, and it's got that, you know, that Hans Zimmer note that makes people cry, you know, that like... (laughs) Yeah, look, I'm I'm, I'm only passionate about this critique because I like the movie, like, a lot, a lot. I like a lot of things about it. Yeah, it's 80%, um, like, pretty cool, actually, if it would just, like, if it just would be satisfied with itself. (laughs) Like, it's already so good. It doesn't need to be so confusing so complex yeah yeah um so congress all right so let's talk about congress i think probably people won't know what this is the way they do with inception so let's just go over we teased it, really it though so maybe you watched it in preparation maybe you watched episode. it if not this is a movie directed by an israeli director who i uh have seen another mo- movie by and 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 liked um and starring robin wright in a sort of meta role where she sort of plays herself and then she's sort of um the primary storyline is about uh scanning scanning her as an actor into a digital you know creating a digital asset out of her to and then it jumps into the future um and the second half of the movie or actually more than half of the movie uh takes place in an animated future um which I didn't realize is based heavily on this uh, Stanislaw Lem. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the yeah, it's credited as. Um, yeah, but I didn't. I didn't really yeah. realize that until I saw the ending credit because I've I've yeah. read a lot of his work, but not that particular piece. So yeah. I didn't, yeah. But it's like it's like the the part that's based on that story doesn't begin until the animated section of this movie. So like the entire front half of this movie is like grafted on yeah it's sort of like a almost like charlie kaufman-esque like metatextual graft on where the main character the where the the actress playing the main character and the main character are sort of turned into one thing um and it's a pretty strange movie um uh aesthetically i think it suffers to some degree from the writer director not having english as a first language and there's some just sort of weirdness in it that uh, you may experience if you are watching it, but I think it's a pretty interesting movie that's full of um, relevant concepts to us, and it it has some uh, 
really strong artistic choices that it made and um and and it definitely is uh drawing on I, I assume this is from the short story. I haven't read the uh Stansel M um short story that's based on but it I have a, it is it does seem to be drawing on a big like well thought out world that has I mean I looked at the summary of that story online. Uh-huh. And so yeah, that story begins with again the, the where this movie begins its animated section. Well, which makes sense cuz the story's called The Futurist Congress or something, right? So it's it's about what happens after so again, and the, it's not an actor, and it's a, it's a, it's like a male academic going to like a conference, and uh, they, I don't, as far as I know, they don't have a son with a syndrome or anything. Like all of that is right. That felt added. like it was added for the movie. Yeah. So the story features Robin Wright, and she is uh, in the first, I guess, half hour or so of it, like sort of or forty five minutes. She is portrayed in film as herself. Um, you meet Harvey Keitel playing her agent and a few other people. And she's basically told like her career is over, but if she wants, she can get scanned. Uh, you meet her family. She has uh, these two children. Um, one of whom has uh, a syndrome. And um, uh, then, I don't know if that syndrome is real or not. But I don't it, either. It, it, it causes is, loss of hearing and eventually sight, I guess. Yeah. it is mentioned once in the, in the movie and I forget the name of it now, but um but he's sick in some way. And it, you know, it feels like movie stuff. It feels a little bit weird, honestly. Um, it, it doesn't feel real and it, it doesn't feel, it feels almost like a parody of movies um, a little bit, but it's, it's not, it's a little hard to tell what the movie's going for in that section. I honestly well, find Harvey that, Keitel uh, has very uneven acting in the beginning. Of well, that movie. I, this is what I was saying. I mean, obviously Harvey Keitel is a good actor. I've seen him in many, many things. He's obviously good at, things his delivery in some parts of this is very strange which led me to believe that either the editor or the director or both you know were operating with less than native understanding of english because they just took like his first take and didn't like coach yeah him it did feel like they didn't get enough takes or they picked the wrong takes um and and the writing is not so bad and it was also written by the same guy who directed it so it's not that it's poorly thought out i can imagine most of the lines said well but uh yeah some of the acting and uh, you know this has decent actors in it throughout uh, is not great. Harvey Keitel is this you know very strange like sort of eyeliner that he's wearing. <laughs> like there's some just strange aesthetic choices that I don't know what they're for. They're interesting, um, but they just you know stood out. Uh, but anyway, it, it gets to this point where she agrees to be scanned in, and they're going to make you know movies with her likeness, and all of that is explained. I'd say kind of dryly. Um. I'd say it's over-explained. I it, honestly thought they, it was yeah. it, it was over-explained. I honestly thought the, the movie in general had a bit too much exposition, um, uh, but in a different way than Inception. It wasn't about rules. It was just about details of this world, of which there were many, uh, some of which were interesting, but um, not a lot of which had like a chance to play out um, because there wasn't much in the way of a plot. Um, but anyhow, after all this happens, she signs a 20 year contract to like, you know, have this likeness out into the world. And then we don't see any of the effects of that. We jump 20 years in the future and she's, uh, driving up to a gate and they sort of hand her an ampule and they say, this is the only way out. And then she goes into this animated fantasy world. And from there to the rest of the, to the end of the movie, it's all animated. And I think there were some pretty interesting I don't even want to try to 
summarize it. I just like <laughs> it was it starts in a sort of science fiction place and then it becomes this kind of crazy uh, hallucinatory dream. Basically, Trippy, like Philip K. Dickian thing. With, yeah, but that's, but she's with sort of gassed animation. with some hallucinatory poison. And then after that, you just don't know what's real from there to the end. Basically. Yeah, what's real, what isn't like that whole it explores that whole thing, um, yeah. which, you know, has been done before, but is fun. I, I do enjoy it. Uh, I mean, yeah. do you want to say like what? I mean, summarizing the movie is, yeah, maybe not what we want to do. I want to just jump into some of the cons. Yeah, let's do pros and cons and let's just talk about anything that's like relevant to us because I think there are a few things that were. So what what were your pros and cons? Just jump there. All right. So first of all, the actual animation looks great. Like it's cool. I mean, it is cool. I was really impressed with it. Yeah. So that's just just fun. I mean, if you like it, I love animation. So if you like that, I mean, the fully two-thirds of this movie is cool trippy animation yeah it's uh, really maybe, unexpected maybe. when it comes in and it's very i really like the character designs they had like a feel of old disney um or like some of that cool european animation uh, they didn't feel like japanese they didn't feel like um saturday morning cartoons i don't know i really liked there was some of the motion that you could feel the budget was small um but the character i, th- I thought were very interestingly designed and the other thing that I liked is that it uh, it dramatized uh, technological change, yeah. which is was was a big mission for us in Let Go. Yeah. Um, and you don't see it so often, but because it jumps, it's already kind of starts in what is maybe a future so slightly, and then it slightly jumps future, twenty yeah. years. Yeah. And then it jumps, you know, maybe again, right? It's uh, so that you you, you right. do there is one more un- unknown unknown length to jump <laughs> yeah so you yeah. get some of that feeling of future shock and yeah. and and things changing that uh we played with in and let go in fact you know in some ways it feels like uh you know like like we you know read kurzweil a while ago and like that sort of infected you know like our our storytelling thoughts yeah. for a while and I think, like you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if the same uh, happened for uh, for this director, especially um, since in the trailer to the Robot Robin series, a uh, fake movie within the movie, right? It it says in the age of spiritual machines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like an there's explicit like a little reference. reference. <laughs> yeah. So it's so it's a bit of a Kurzweilian nightmare at times, but in that, like you know, I think that's a fun place to play, and obviously we yeah. do that ourselves. Their animated version of New York, I thought, was a great take on sort of what we were trying to do and let go of having like you know um there were these sort of uh, licensed celebrity essences that you could imbibe and then you'd sort of become michael jackson or marilyn monroe or elvis presley for a little while and that reminded me of sort of you know um some of the ideas we had like having the uh algorithmically generated uh celebrity bands playing in the restaurant they did instead they had like a sort of uh, I don't know if it was like supposed to be Chris Isaac or Lyle Lovett or who it was supposed to be. They had some sort of like generated band in their restaurant and they had like Michael Jackson was the waiter, you know, like obviously the wait- waiter wasn't really Michael Jackson. He was somebody who'd like I- imbibed some Michael Jackson for his job, you know? And uh, I thought there was some, yeah, they, the way they de- depicted it as like a sort of garden of people sort of, expressing their own somewhat commodified uh desires and pleasures uh felt realistic and interesting to me i liked that 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool seeing like all the. Di- I mean, you know, it's sort of space operation, like right. Everybody's like in a different, like weird embodied state, you know, which yeah. is again something that'll be possible in our universe. I mean, the way we handle that and let go is more like waves of ever changing conformity, where everyone's wearing the same outfit and then all of a sudden wearing a different outfit, right? Two seconds later. So like we 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 sort of played up the fact that like. Culture changes fast, but people still conform, right? Right. Whereas this is playing like playing more to the idea of like individual expression is king, uh, you know. But there was a else. lot of people dressed as a various celebrities, and there was yeah. a lot of people whose costume was basically some sort of exaggerated sexuality, and they right. they did call attention to those two things. And I would say that those things dominated the frames when they were like wandering through New York. So it was cool to see like all the sort of strange sexualities that were being depicted, you know, people sort of entwined with each other with tentacles or with their boobs out or with like weird looking bodies that were sort of distended and sexual. And then uh, all of the sort of like Elvis's and Michael Jackson's walking around and it's like, Oh yeah, you can see how, you know, a combination of like human nature and capitalism would sort of create a, it was a super fun a culture to watch. Like this. Yeah. 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 I, I thought that, that was pretty cool. Um, I thought they dealt with some of the like sort of fundamental inconsistencies that you have to deal with, with the like um, idea of paradise. And I think we're dealing with, this is more relevant to constellation than to let go, but like, you know, for this story, it's a chemical induced sort of happiness that the people in the future world are experiencing. Um, So it's, um, it's virtual. They still have bodies somewhere, but they're like sort of, I don't know. They're on some kind of chemical that makes them hallucinate uh, all the things that they want. And the way they dealt with that was that it's a very individualized paradise, right? Like there was no point in her going to find her own daughter because the daughter wouldn't even recognize her or have any use for her. Um, That was explained to her at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, that was, yeah. And I didn't really understand that. Like that felt so inconsistent with what people would imagine paradise to be that it seemed, you know, like a terror. It seemed like this is a world where a terrible mistake has been made. And I think what we have is is better in some way than this. Um, also, wouldn't you just hallucinate your daughter and believe it if like? Well, and that's sort of what confused me about the ending. So we're going to spoil the ending here, but it doesn't matter. This isn't the kind of movie where there's twists at the end. I mean, you could watch this movie 10 times and not know what happened in it. Um, <laughs> but like, it's very dreamlike and vague. Uh, but at the end, I mean, what did you think the end meant? I, I watched it and I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, I didn't get, I, I didn't know. It was kind of cool looking again, but I what, what I thought it was saying was this, was that there are two sons in the hallucinatory universe that we're looking at. There's, she took the hallucination thing and she hallucinated her son and she's there hallucinating that her son is there. And then at the same time, her son, who we didn't know where he was, um, had also taken the hallucinatory drug and he had gone back to that same sort of mental place, the place of the beginning of the movie where they're flying the kites. And, uh, it looks as if he finds both her and himself, like the one of himself that she's hallucinating in this place. And that seemed to be the moment that they ended the movie. It it, it appeared as if they were implying that the real son had like gone back there to, to hallucinate his mom and the mom had gone back there to hallucinate the son and that they were potentially going to meet. Uh, But I couldn't tell if that was really what they were saying or not. That seemed like to me what, 
what the imagery was telling me. We're like, we're seeing him. It's his POV. We're seeing him reflected in something. So we know it's his POV. And he's also like seeing himself in the distance um, at the kite talking to this mom. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, I mean, I don't... I... <laughs> So I didn't but, even I didn't, at that point I checked out and I was just like watching the pretty animation and yeah like not it trying is to pretty it. yeah yeah and it's sort of you know it's got the soaring music and everything and I, yeah I I had a feeling like what they were trying to say was that they had found each other but it does seem to me like any company offering chemical happiness that wants to you know survive its first um, <laughs> regulatory uh, uh, hurdle or something uh, should be able to account for the fact that people love their families, right? Like that doesn't strike me as something that people want to change about human nature. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, it seems like something that people would fight fairly hard to retain. So it's, and here's the other thing is that there's also that John Hamm, the obsessed animator character right who uh, who is in love with robin um but how can he be in love with her in the same miasma that would make her daughter not recognize her like how does that make sense well so the reading that i i don't know that this is right given uh-huh. the way it plays out later with the son but the reading yeah. i have of the daughter thing was different and was more relevant to us. Uh, like okay, what, well, what was that? Because, maybe you got something I well, didn't because. I, I but know. I think it's wrong because I think maybe later things in the movie uh, contradict what my initial interpretation. My initial interpretation was like she goes to like a uh, you know an edge of the uh, animated world city, and um, you know it uh, the the John Hamm character points out and says your daughter is a naturalist now. She's somewhere out there. She you know she's one of the only people that has kids in this world and you see like off in the distance some sort of like people like like playing and maybe they're oh like, yeah in a na- playground or something yeah they're like naked mm-hmm. in a playground or something and like yeah. a naturalist you think maybe means like oh like it's kind of like our idea of like a retro world where you know these are people that have agreed to live by nor- somewhat normal rules right where they're going to have kids and like live lead normal lives even though and not turn into tentacle beings right i um, see that was the implication i got of that and uh, also, at that moment, um, the Robin Wright character has come out of cryo-freeze for we don't know how long. Right. So I, I took it to mean, like, you know, that the daughter has been in this hallucination world um, for who knows how long without her mom, had already grown apart from her mom, because last time we saw her, she was, like, a revolutionary or something, and, like, ran past her mom without answering. And so with now with like, you know, maybe generations passing since then has like really lost touch with her mom and is now deep into this subculture, uh, you know, that's maybe like even further driven her away from like her old identity. And so it's just one of these things where it's just like she's so grown apart that like her mom would be like as if from a distant past. Um, And that's like a little more like what we might see in our world, depending on how many years out we project. Right. Like because in the constellation. Right. Uh, universe, because you could go into your own private fantasy land for a really long time and every the rules of reality are so different than they were before the transition, you could imagine family members, you know, really diverging. Maybe not to the point of totally forgetting about each other, but I don't know. I think in uh, th- that's how I read that moment as it was playing out. Right. I think that's a better read than what it actually is in the movie, because I think that is contradicted by what happens when she goes to the truth, right? And then she wakes up and meets Paul Giamatti and that whole thing. Yeah. Because it seems like the daughter would be out in that world if she was... So So she's in some third thing where she's taking the drugs, but she's, 
using them to imagine some more naturalist. I guess that's in some way it's a little bit like one of our retro worlds. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that didn't quite make sense to me. Um, I liked that they shot into the future and didn't look back. Like you were saying, I liked that they were, um, uh, sort of trying to deal with these like massive, crazy changes that, uh, had come about. Um, and that this, you know, this Robin Wright character is sort of hearing this stuff in her own, um, narrow, you know, domain. She's finding out about, you know, whether she has, you know, options as an actress or something, these sort of narrow things, but, but really she's trying to deal with, you know, the entire world ending and, and being recreated. And that, that, that element of it I thought was cool and had some, some things in common with, uh, when the shift to animation really makes you feel viscerally the, the future shock of the character. Yeah. Um, and I wish like, I would have almost liked it better. I mean, they have this whole explanation where it's like, you're entering a restricted animated zone and the animation like represents the hallucinatory drug technology or something. Right. It's kind of like the VR, I guess, of this, of this world. Right. But I like, I, I would have liked it if you just jumped in time in a movie 20 years later and then without any explanation the future time is now animated just as like like we're just gonna you know the same way you'd put on a filter for the future or something right like, right and, and change well, your color because palette. it is being done to some degree to deal with budget right i mean because the things that are being done in the animation could not be done at the budget of this movie but I, I like the idea of just using animation to signal this is a dramatically different future with yeah. dramatically different technology, dramatically different feel, so that the audience feels like they really have jumped, right? Well, it also uh, implies, I think, the plasticity and power of this simulated future, right? So there's like, I mean, there's a way in which the the real simulated future probably will not in any way look animated, like it won't look drawn or anything like that. But when we look at uh, an animation, especially one that has like a Looney Tunes or early Disney sort of feel like this one did... Uh, it implies to us through a whole language, like, oh, like things can squish and come back and like things can drop off of cliffs and survive. And, you know, like there's a certain logic to a cartoon that is just closer to the logic of a simulation. Yeah, it's a nice mirroring. And that's, you know, maybe one of the reasons that it's good. We're, we're making a graphic novel for our story. Yeah, honestly, it speaks we a little to bit do weird to, stuff. The, to the graphic style that we should um, be going for, I mean, we'll have to have this conversation with our eventual artist, but you know, I think I had been imagining in my head, this as like a more quote unquote realistic art style than the last book we did. But, um, as I'm saying this, I'm wondering whether some of that, um, maybe some of the style could be tied more to the rules of the world. Maybe a, a world with more loose futuristic rules should have a more loose and cartoonish style or uh, something. that's conceptually cool i mean that might be asking a lot of the artist yeah uh, well we'll see how many worlds we actually have yeah. too um but so, i don't know we may want to consider that um as we go forward anyway all right so i don't want to spend too too much time talking about this we can move on but uh i despite having many issues with it and despite it being very long and uh, uh sometimes slow moving and boring uh, it parts um, I would recommend this, I think, to our listeners. If you're into this sort of thing, this is one of the 
more ambitious pieces of independent science fiction I think I've ever seen. And I feel stupid for having slept on it for so long. Um, but it's not totally successful and it has a lot of issues, but I think it is really, um, compelling and worth, uh, worth two hours of your time. So if you have a Amazon prime, you can watch the Congress. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. What do you I, think? Yeah, John? Do you agree? Uh, I guess I'd narrowly recommend it. Yeah. But I, but yeah, it, there's, what? yeah. One thing this and Inception have in common is that they're both sort of close to something I would love and not and not the thing. And there is something sort of frustrating about about that. But I don't know. I admire this because it's a bold failure rather than a, you know Inception, which is just you know, of course, uh, big mainstream success that that I think could have been better. <laughs> you know? Sure. Well, yeah, and everyone knows about Inception, and you know, more, more people maybe should know about about Congress. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we're going on long today, so we are gonna just save some of the other things on our outline for next week. Um, yeah, but next time we talk, we're gonna talk a bit about what goes on in the world creation scene. That's right. We'll do that next time, and hopefully that uh, episode will be coming up pretty soon after this one. Find out what it is to be part of a world-making community. Who the big success stories are. How do you improve your craft of world making, et cetera, et cetera? These are some of the questions we're going to address next episode, whenever it comes out, and we will see you then. Yeah, we'll talk to you then. This has been Constellation Making the Graphic Novel. Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.